You're listening to the Sound in Faith podcast coming to you from Faith Baptist Fellowship in lovely, beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm Pastor Thomas Slauson. And I'm Pastor Mike Johnson. And our aim is to encourage the saints of Faith Baptist Fellowship and anyone who might be listening to believe sound doctrine and to live lives that adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. How are you doing, Pastor Mike? Pretty well, pretty well. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing pretty well too. I love the uh, the beards really coming in. Oh, you did no thanks. shave Yours November. Too. I yes. did. Yep. And uh, now I'm into don't shave to December. Don't say. <laughs> and then what, what comes out is it just 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 don't shave January yeah, or just trim. Just January. forget about it yeah. January. <laughs> forget about forget about it February. Right on. Now, um, yeah, I'm I'm to that stage now with the beard where I'm getting guys asking me advice about. You know, like, oh, what do you do? Cool. And cool. Uh, uh, there's not a whole lot of secrets. No, I mean, I don't shave. I do trim, but I don't <laughs> shave. Anyway, maybe we should get our own line of uh, Sound in Faith beer products. Oh, you know, we've got the logo. We do. We should have the it. logo. We could get a sponsor. Uh, yeah, that would be fun. Amen. That would be fun. We've got uh, a fun, I, I don't know, is it right to call this a fun topic today? It's not necessarily fun, but it's- Or an, funny. It's not funny no. or fun, but no. it's needed. It's needed. Very needed. Yes. Um, and it's dealing with false teachers that and their sound, false teaching. That doesn't sound right. No. It doesn't <laughs> sound right at all. <laughs> yes, false teaching. Yeah, why are we talking about this? Because we're pastors. Yeah. We're pastors, and we love the sheep. We love people. We love the people in the church, and we take our role seriously as elders. Uh, to guard the flock. So we talked about false teaching. Yeah, and that that's part of what we're called to do as shepherds of the flock, what all elders are called to do. That's right. Uh, is to guard against false teaching and false teachers. Yes. The wolves that would right. seek to come in and devour the sheep. Now, we, we've got some questions we want to dive into and address here today. I, I want to actually begin by maybe you know we're going to we're going to define here in a minute what is a false teacher and what is what is false teaching and what is a false teacher it is a false teacher every christian brother or sister who gets something wrong about the bible every now and then it, not the way the bible uses the term false teaching okay. i mean i mean literally that's teaching what is false and right. so, you know yeah. but but the Bible seems to have thresholds. The Bible seems to have, like, this person is teaching something that's so egregious that it, it, it crosses the threshold into false teaching, and that would make that person a false teacher. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that, too. I mean, we, when we think about fa- false teaching and false teachers as the Bible is using that and what it's seeking to address, you know, we, we can think of other Christians out there who hold doctrinal positions that we might disagree with. Right. And in objectively, we would say those are false because they're interpreting Scripture incorrectly. Sure. But we wouldn't call those brothers or sisters false teachers in the way that the Bible uses the right. term false right. teachers. Yeah. The, the test is not sincerity, because you can have a sincere false teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, certainly the Bible calls out insincere false teachers. You know, so there is that. There is a an element of most false teaching that is insincere, but we don't take sincerity as the, you know, the threshold. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the nearness to the gospel and mm-hmm. and and the corrupting nature, uh, like how how corrupting it is to the to the gospel. Yeah. Um, so there are some things that we would say, you know, there's there's interpretations of difficult passages uh, that that people would disagree on things like that. There's there's even doctrinal you know differences that are 
clearly defined differences mm. that we wouldn't say on either side is heresy. Right. Uh, you know, there's um, uh, there's there's different views on on um, on predestination. You know that yeah. that um, that I might disagree with. You know that you know repudiate predestination or something, but I wouldn't call it necessarily a false gospel or false right, teaching. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you're a Adam had a belly button guy. Yes, I am. Uh, and, uh, you know... Wait, it, are you? I'm he doesn't have one. You're, you're a he doesn't you're, have you're, one. Yes, I'm the he does right. have one. You're the, you no. know, but I wouldn't call you a false teacher uh, because of that. That's very yeah, charitable, yeah. brother. That's Thank it. you. <laughs> glad, we could, uh, glad we could find that. Yeah. That warm fellowship there. Yeah. Um, so let's let's just jump in then. Yeah. What is a false teacher? What is false teaching, uh, specifically as the Bible is is using those terms or describing those terms? So, so my the the common thread that I see uh, when Paul is dealing, Paul is uh, a lot of his writings have to do with false teaching. We just preached through Titus, for yeah. example, and Titus uh, chapter one uh, talks about false teaching. But the common thread I see is that there's some encroachment on uh, godliness and uh, the gospel. So mm. in Galatians, it's all about the gospel. It's all about heaping on um, legalism onto the gospel. I think that's what's going on in Titus as well. Um, and and it leads to false practice. You know, false teaching leads to false practice. So you have um, uh, sin and, you know, um, godlessness that that eventually comes from it. So those are things that I would call false teaching. I, I, maybe you could make, be no, more specific. No, I, I like it there. You, you, you hit it with the alliterating Gs, like a good Baptist pastor, hmm. you know, the gospel and godliness. Uh, you know, and when we look at writings, letters like Galatians, I mean, Paul doesn't mince words. That's sort of the G too. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It, it alliterates also. Yeah, he, it, he doesn't mince words there. No. He's, he's very direct with the Galatians about uh, the errors that they are um, delving into yes. and, and the, the, the danger to the message of the gospel that is being presented by what they're they're believing and the, the the lies that they're listening to. Sure. And on a secondary thing, or not a secondary thing, but if you're going to like move out a little bit from that and, and start thinking about the false teachers themselves, often there's a character issue with the false teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in Titus, he says, teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. Uh, Galatians, they boast about you, but for no good, but to make much of themselves. You know, so so there's this. Um, there there are some character issues that go along with it, but I think at the heart of it is 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 a wrong gospel. Yeah, it's, it's misunderstanding the gospel, adding things to the gospel, those kind of things. Yeah, well, it, you know, we talked about this a little bit when we said what is not a false teacher. So can we too quickly throw a label of false teacher? on someone, um, you know, can we do that rashly? Can we do that uncharitably? Sure. Like a group of pastors, we, we had lunch to, to, together today, and we talked about the cancel culture in, in the church, right? Mm. And uh, we were talking about different pastors and teachers that that, that people have canceled. And I think the, the, the term false teacher was thrown out too quickly in some of those cases where um, there's a disagreement, maybe a real disagreement, maybe a perceived disagreement, but a disagreement on something. And we just, okay, he's a false teacher. You yeah. Know, we, we shouldn't listen to him anymore. Sometimes it's so um, surface level, you, you know, that it, it's scary that it's, mm. it's so, you know, it's, yeah. uh, I, I suspect he's, he has a different political view of politics in America. False teacher. False teacher. Yeah. Done with him. Never, yeah. never going to talk to him or listen to him again. 
And, and, and that's interesting. You, you use that term cancel culture because a lot of times uh, we, f- from the, the conservative theological perspective, are seeing that from the political left right. or, or even the theological left, cancel culture, and we say, ah, shame on that. You know, that's right. terrible. Right. But we can be guilty of it ourselves if we're uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater uh, we're absolutely. having that kind of attitude towards genuine brothers and sisters in Christ. Sure, absolutely. A- even brothers who've been in error. You know, I- yeah. I'm a big fan of C.S. Lewis. Uh, love, love his writings. He's one of my favorite writers. Um, but he has some serious errors, and some of those are very serious. You know, uh, but we can't just throw the whole thing out. You know, I mean, he he did a lot of good, and there's a lot. Of, and so I think we need to be discerning. We need to be mature as mm-hmm. we critical, even as we read different people. Um, but not so, like, I think we have to, we need an ounce of Christian discernment to decide when somebody is an actual false teacher, a wolf who is after the flock, uh, rather than somebody who's wrong, you know, because we can be wrong, you know, and and, and what we do with somebody who's wrong is we correct them. Uh, Somebody who's a wolf is different, though, aren't they? Like, that's that's something we're protecting Sheep from yeah. There's a there's a particular danger to one's soul. Yes, of following a wolf or listening to a wolf. The wolf is there to devour. The wolf is there to kill. Right. Uh, the sheep. You know. I I think just about you know my own experience. I was part of a denomination called the Presbyterian Church in America for oh. 15 years, and um, <laughs> they just celebrated their 50th birthday. That's right. They're they just are, a little bit older than I am. Yeah. <laughs> They are a conservative, Bible-believing, uh, evangelical Presbyterian denomination that yes. has held fast to Scripture. Uh, for many years, I, I was a paedo-baptist. I believed in the theology of covenant baptism for infants. infants. Um, I changed my position on that. Mm-hmm. I studied the Scriptures, and I, I became a credo-baptist, a, a baptizing based upon creed, upon confession. Now, I... I just love those brothers and sisters in the PCA. Many of them deeply impacted my life. I would disagree. I think they're. I think they're wrong. I'm just going to say that plainly. I think they're wrong on yes. on the issue of of baptism, mode of baptism. Sure, they are. But they are not wolves. No, not at all. They're, they're brothers not, in yeah, Christ. And they're not false teachers, you know. Right. And we have a we have a charitable disagreement among us. And so I think that's important to it's, make that distinction. It's so important. Like uh, again, we you know we've talked about this a, a few times on. The Sound and Faith podcast. We've talked about the theological triage that mm. Albert Moeller wrote uh, yeah. about. I, some others have too, but I think he's the guy who originally um, kind of put it in those terms. That's very helpful. Christian maturity is really important so that we can we can discern which truths rise to the level of gospel issues and first tier issues that um, that that really do. Um, it, somebody crosses those lines, we would say, okay, that's that's heresy and that's that's false teaching and. We need to protect ourselves from that. Others are errors that we need to correct, perhaps. Yeah. We need to teach rightly about, you know, but we we need to be charitable. We and, need to be charitable. And if I can add one just little pastoral exhortation here, mm-hmm. the, the care with which we do that is so important because we we could slander a brother or sister in Christ. Yes. By labeling them a false teacher, it's, it's a, there's a difference between a false teacher and a brother or sister with whom we disagree. Yes. I don't know about you, Pastor Thomas, but I'm, I'm often thinking about that every idle word thing that mm. I'm going to give an account for. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to give a lot of... I don't, I don't want at the end of the day to stand before the Lord and have to, 
you know, share all the brothers I've discredited mm, wrongly. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 especially since we're going to be spending eternity with him, yeah. you know? <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a good word right there. Yeah. Um, is, so we need ahead. to be charitable. We yeah. need to be charitable. But at the same time, we're pastors and, you know, we have a flock to protect and we, we don't, we you know... I, I think we have a kind of a pendulum swing. It goes from charity to um, harshness back to charity to harshness, you know. Uh, I, but I think what we need is uh, charitably um, confronting error and heresy and mm. firmly loving the flock and protecting them. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't want to take up too much time on this, but I actually just listened to a podcast not too long ago uh, the pastor's talk that Nine Marks yeah. puts out, yeah, and uh, it was a it was such a good episode because Mark Dever had uh, used very rash words ah, his, publicly. The, the apology, yes, one, yeah. And not only did he use this as an opportunity to apologize in this podcast, but to make public his mistake. Yeah, and and the brotherly pointed but brotherly charitable rebuke that he got from Kevin DeYoung. Yes. And and I I just thought it was such a marvelous podcast because you know there was there was a genuine spirit of humility on Mark Dever's part. Uh it allowed them to model behind you know show behind the scenes what had happened and how a brother rebuked another brother in yeah. error. I just thought that was wonderful. That's really worth listening. Yeah. It, was, it was basically Mark Dever made some caustic remarks about paleobaptists and non-congregationalists and you know people who do not believe in congregational polity. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he said it rather roughly. And yeah. and it, when 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 Kevin DeYoung brought it to his attention, he immediately realized, no, I should not have said that about those brothers. And he came back and he and he was contrite and it was good. Now I to this day. I'm sure, 100% sure, Dever would say, pedio baptism and non-congregational polity are are not not correct. You, right, you know, yeah, he would still yeah, say that. He'd yeah. still say that. So he repented of not being charitable. He he didn't necessarily repent of of those thoughts. Like he yeah. still he still believes those things. And I I think that's a good model for. Us. Yeah, I think that's a great model. Yeah. Well, as we move on here, um, talking about false teachers and their teaching. How big of a threat is this today? I mean, we we can read through history. We can read, you know, we, we there's examples in the Bible. Paul was addressing false teachers. We can read through through history, the time of the Reformation. Uh, you know, Martin Luther in his ninety five theses is pushing it back against false teaching. He's yes. addressing false teaching. What does that look like today in our context? So it's always present. There's a, there's always distortions to the gospel. There's always people who try to teach apparent, you know, um, wrong 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 theology. Uh, and and today we have it. We have it very clearly. And and it comes in a lot of different formats or forms rather. There's legalism. You know, there's um, one of the biggest ones I think in America is the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. Where we where we believe with all of our hearts. I mean, we preach that all the um, benefits of the gospel have to do with this life now. Um, and um, if you are a believer in Christ, you should not have headaches, you should not have uh, sickness, cancer, you should have money, you should not suffer with poverty, and those kinds of things. We're actually exporting that to other countries. Yeah. Like there's that, That's spreading um, because of American dollars. And I, I think that's part and parcel with we live in a prosperous nation. We have a lot of means, and people conflate things. But also, I see a lot of character issues with that, too. Um, really popular prosperity teachers are often those who live very um, 
extravagantly um, on the backs of those who yeah. who can't afford it. You know, I mean, yeah. ba- basically um, urging people to give money uh, who are giving sacrificially so that they could live lavishly. So there's some character issues, just like you see in Titus 1. Uh, so prosperity gospel, legalism, there's more. I mean, legalism, liberal, liberalism. liberalism. I mean, two extremes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think legalism is you, you become so uh, focused on um, the, the rules, keeping the law, all of that, that you just begin to build rule upon rule upon rule such that, uh, you know, the gospel essentially almost becomes meaningless. I mean, you, you're, you're, you're living a, a works, right? You're, you're trying to live out a works righteousness uh, right. before God. Of course, liberalism is, is, has been around, of course, for, for centuries. Yep. Uh, it's nothing new, but the forms that it takes today are just the outright denial of the, the inerrancy of Scripture, the authority of Scripture that leads to uh, subjective judgments as to what is right, what is wrong, right. what God approves of, uh, what He doesn't approve of. Um, you know, I, I'll just give an example here. There was a, a church, a Baptist church in Jackson, Mississippi, that when I was uh, a student in Mississippi going to college, it, it was kind of known for being edgy, kind of pushing the mm-hmm. edge, but still kind of remained within the, the sphere of... Uh, you know, what could be deemed Christianity, evangelicalism, you know, and for some reason the other day, I just like, I wonder whatever happened to that church. I just looked up their website and of course they're now using inclusive pronouns for, for God. They don't address God as he, it's, you know, God who is uh, uh, gender neutral and it's just, they've embraced uh, the whole LGBTQ affirming agenda. Um, they've denied the inerrancy of Scripture. It's just they've completely walked away from anything that resembles historic biblical Christianity. Likely that's the most pervasive yeah. false teaching right now that we're facing in the, in the West, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Like that, that, that urging to relax on our morals, on biblical morality, and relax on, on what the Scriptures teach about things and, and just be inclusive and be accepting of, of the world's morality. Mm, yeah. One that I will add, and this kind of ties back into the one that we did on Christianity and politics a couple episodes back. And, and I want to be careful how I say this, but I, I, I'm not sure this is a, how pervasive this is, but I think it's, it's gaining traction. It's the idea that, one, if your politics align a certain way, and if your, uh, your patriotism and, and these other issues, these social issues, conservative issues align a certain way, then that automatically by default means that your theology is good, and that's what God approves of. It's, it's more of a social uh, a conservative Christianity as opposed to a biblical Christianity. And the reason I highlight that is because I actually have some friends that have gotten wrapped up in this. Mm. They they showed no interest in the gospel all the time that I knew them in college and stuff. And their interest in these things now is not so much rooted in, I want to be part of a church that preaches the Bible, but I'm voting for the right person now. I'm aligned. I've got the right bumper stickers on my car. And so, you know, I'm a, a to use the phrase of one friend, a God warrior now. Mm. And the the only reason I bring that up is because, you know, I, I that could become a temptation for some people. This whole idea of of pushing back, fighting for what is right within the culture, and there are of course things that we want to address and we want to stand for what is right on, but we don't want to let those things become. Hey, because I'm doing this, that means my theology must be right. 
my Christianity must be rooted in Scripture. And that just, you know... What would you call that? I, I, you know, it's probably a, there's probably a term out there for it already. No, but, no, no, this is your chance to, to, uh, to coin a term. Um, <laughs> ah, boy, you put me on the spot. No, it's all right. You know, it, it's, it's almost like a politicized, a political Christianity. Okay. Um, and, and, and to be fair, I, I think that can happen, uh, from the conservative extreme and the liberal extreme, because you hear, I yes. mean, you hear Jesus get thrown around yeah. in liberal circles yeah. all the time today. Yeah. So it's it's not limited to one political perspective or the other. So let's just sum these up. We yeah. have uh, we have legalism. We have the prosperity gospel. We have liberalism. We have um, uh, politicized gospel. Politicized gospel. Um, and 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 here's another one: the inclusive. Inclusivity. I'm yeah. speaking roughly today, but inclusivity. Uh, thinking that you know, just the relaxing. I guess liberalism, the modern mm-hmm. take on liberalism. Here's another one, and this is, I think, a heresy uh, that is kind of one of emphasis. Um, the self-help gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, churches that um, that 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 have emphasized pragmatism so much, like as far as. Uh, their preaching and teaching and their emphasis uh, that the gospel is muddled, hidden, unaddressed, you know? Um, and, and I think this one is pervasive too, where, yeah. where you could go to a, a, a church for um, months and months and months and learn all about how to channel your anger, uh, how to have better relationships, how to not be so, um, like not be passive, all of these Things, but never hear the gospel. Never yeah, hear yeah. that Jesus Christ died for your sin, and you must trust in Him alone. You know. Hey, can I name a name? Sure. I mean, and he's dead now. Yeah. I mean, but Norman Vincent Peale. Okay. Was yeah. was uh, you know a, the pastor of the Marble Collegiate Church in New York. Uh, really, the the you know wrote what was it the power of positive thinking. Yes. Yep. Uh, and and then from that, uh, you know, a major influence on on a big name, Robert Schuller. Right. Um. And. and you know, we're not here just trying to disparage people arbitrarily here, but you know, those were uh, proponents of that teaching—the self-help, the positive thinking. Yep. Uh, don't talk about sin. You don't talk about man's need of redemption. You just talk about God's love and His desire to help you. you and know? and really, the, the the heresy is again one of emphasis because you're emphasizing positivity mm. as, as opposed to the gospel, right? The, yeah. the true gospel, and so you you are departing from the gospel, even though some of those guys would have would have would have said, "No, Jesus did die for us." And if you if you press them, they would say those things, you know. Um, but the emphasis of their ministries, the emphasis of all their teaching was um, no, be positive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's this pragmatism towards positivity, I guess. Yeah. So. I think that's a false teaching. I think it's 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 something that derails Christians and keeps them from the true gospel. How do we safeguard our churches against these false teachings? Yeah, I there's two two things we need to do. Uh one a lot more than the other. Uh so the one that we need to do a lot more than the other is teach sound doctrine. Mm. We need to teach the gospel clearly, passionately, per- pervasively. We need to do it a lot. We need to teach the truth of Scripture. That's the fr- that's the thing that we need to do most. And second, we need to call out false teaching. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I think we get it wrong when all we're doing is calling out false teaching. It's like this is all the things we hate, you know. <laughs> Nothing, yeah, yeah. And we never talk about what we love, you know. Uh, I think that could be that could be an error that could keep us from from really teaching. 
our people to love Jesus and follow Christ, you know, because we're always just talking about what we're against. And it, it's so easy, I think, today for false teaching to spread. I mean, it, yes. it's always spread historically, but but especially today with internet, with, with YouTube, with podcasts, with all those things, you can go out and find the sermons of so-and-so so easily and, and become enamored with them. A person can do that. And so I, I think a lot of times pastors have their, their work cut out for them, the elders of a church, the shepherds of a church, because, you know, how do I know what someone's listening to all the time? I mean, I, I don't. And so, you know, we want to be positive about the gospel. I'm using that term in a positive way, positive, I'm using it in a positive way. We want to be positive about what we believe about the gospel, teach the gospel, teach sound doctrine, but yet at the same time be warning our people you know, there, there are wolves out there, and, and you can easily be led astray by them because on the surface, they might sound good. They might sound, they might write really good music, you know, and we got to be careful about that. Every false teacher <laughs> who is successful in swaying away sheep uh, is, is compelling. Mm. You, you know, that's the thing. He, uh, I, I, you know, if you, if you think of the anatomy of a false teacher, compelling can turn a phrase, win, not winsome in the, in the way that I like that word, but, but easy to listen to. Um, and 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 they don't sound abrasive usually, you know. I mean, there's I, there's different brands of false yeah. teaching. There is there's an abrasive false teaching too that's out there. But I I I think that a lot of the ones that are so dangerous to the church um, are are those who sound compelling, you know, yeah. and and sound good. They can turn a phrase really well. Uh, good public speakers, you know, and that's why that should not be the 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 standard for us right like yeah uh, our standard should not be does it th- th- does the guy sound good you know it should be man is it is it in line with the scriptures is it well you mentioned you mentioned there like there's different brands of false teachers and you know an example of like the uh, there there might be a false teacher that screams and yells and and sure there are shakes their yep. fist and but but there's still something attractional about that yeah. to a certain type yeah. of person. Oh, we want to we want to be on mission. We yeah. want to be we want to be warriors. You know, there's yeah. there is that in us. If, if you you know the angry, bitter, we're going to punch the culture in the mouth type of uh false teacher is the one that's attracting the person that's so enamored with we got to fight back. We have to we have to punch. Yes, we yeah. we we got to get out there and fight this battle in this way. And and here's the thing, Pastor Thomas, we like these guys don't come there's there's usually some kernel of truth in their teaching. There, there's something that you know you, they're not denying. You know, you, we want the black and white. Please yeah. deny the deity of Christ so that we can just write you off. You know, but but the denials are slippery, and you know mm, it's it's, it's yeah. you know so um, there's some kernel of truth often to what they're what they're teaching. You know, and, and if you look at Titus, you know when he's uh, for there are many insubordinate, empty talkers. I'm reading from Titus one ten. Uh, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they're upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. And, and he goes on, there must be something there that they're, that they're teaching that, um, like, I don't think these false teachers came and repudiated Christianity. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they just yeah. came in there and said, Christianity's not true. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you. You know, that kind of thing. I think they added. I think I yeah. think they took what was true and added things for shameful gain. What they ought not to teach, upsetting whole families, maybe maybe insisting that people don't marry, or you know, it could be a whole host of things. Probably something to do with abstaining from certain foods and things like that, adding legalism to the gospel. But what my point is, at the center, there's something real. 
Yeah, so yeah. No, it makes total sense. It, it, you know, like you mentioned some of those things. I mean, like in Galatians, Paul is addressing people that have come with another gospel, yeah. but it it resembles in some way the true gospel. Yes. They've added all these other things to it. Right. You have to do all this. Yeah, yeah yes, Jesus. You have to have Jesus, but you have to have all of these other things that you add to it. And that's what makes it so dangerous. Yeah. Because, I, you know, if they came in devil's clothes, you know, with glowing eyes and a pitchfork, it wouldn't be very compelling. Right. And I mean, who would follow that? Deception is deceptive. The wolf wears <laughs> sheep's clothes. Right. You know, they yeah. try to they try to look like Christians, you know, and yeah. so that's what's so dangerous about them. You know, I'll say one other thing here too regarding this in that I think this is where a healthy local church becomes so important. Mm. And I, I I say this, Thomas says this, not the Lord, um, but I believe the the church is its healthiest when its members are being fed most by their own churches, by mm. their elders, and by the teachers of their church. I agree. Not how, you know, it. I'm not dissing listening to a podcast no, or no. watching, and I, I mean, I listen to other pastors out there, I enjoy their sermons on walks and runs and all of those things like that. So don't get me wrong. But, you know, if it becomes this seed of, man, I wish my preacher could preach like, you know, pastor so-and-so who right. has, you know, a million followers, or why can't he preach like that or that kind of stuff. When we when it begins to sow those seeds of bitterness in your heart or animosity, or you begin to think, I'm going to be drawn away by this. This is so much, this sounds so much better than my local church. Mm. Your local elders are the are the pastors of the church who love you and want to shepherd you and teach you and guide you. And, and so it's really in our local church where we should be fed with the word of God. That should be our primary place where well we said. feast in well the word. Said. So how can we safeguard against false teaching? Have a healthy church, yeah. have healthy elders, stick to the word of God, preach the gospel, um, uh, train up in your people mm. a, an awareness, a biblical awareness that spots false teaching. You mm. know, like yeah. let us know the word so well that when something contradicts it, it just raises red flags. You know, no, that's not what the gospel yeah. is. You know? Yeah, very good stuff. Yeah. Anything else we want to say about this? I mean, it's one of those things where we mentioned, yes, yeah, sometimes it's important to name names, um, sure. and and uh, I feel like if we started down that road on the podcast, we'd be here for a long time, and that would just that would be you know a, a whole can of worms we would open up. I, you know, I would say if you have questions about uh, a well-known teacher teaching a doctrine or something that's out there, and you have questions about that, and you want to know more. Uh, Pastor Mike or I would love to talk with you. Any of our elders Absolutely. here at Faith would yep. love to talk with you uh, and examine that. Hold it under the light of Scripture and say, does this align with God's Word? And uh, you know, who are those people out there that we should be careful about and be guarded against? I think those are conversations we would love to have with you at yeah, any time. good word, yeah. good word, really good word. Well, we don't have a ton of questions today, Pastor Mike, but we do have a few. We have one here. Oh, one, good. I love our music. Is this the Christmas? No, this isn't the Christmas one. I'll bring it back. Oh, I, I, is it okay when we go to the Christmas one? No, Hang this, on. This hey. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this uh, this question comes from a listener. Uh, didn't didn't give us permission to use the name. Uh, so this texted question is well, actually, you 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 received the text. Yeah, the, the text was yeah. You know, so we took the Lord's Supper on Sunday. Yes. Here at Faith, and in when we give the words of institution. 
you know, it talks about warning against taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Yes. Uh, and so the question was, what does it mean then to take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner? That's a good question. And it, it, I think the answer is long. Um, you know, we could have a, a good conversation about that sometime. I think we will. We, we will have a, a conversation about the Lord's Supper at some point here. Yeah. But um, I think I think one of the, if you look at the context of 1 Corinthians 11, where that comes up, yeah. uh, they're getting drunk at the table. They're being selfish. They're, it isn't about Christ. It is about themselves. You know, you have haves and have nots at the same table and one's feasting and the other's going hungry. One's being drunk, you know, I mean, uh, unworthy manner in the sense that these guys are not thinking about Christ and what he did. Yeah. Uh, so there's a manner in which this is about me. This is selfish, you know, and that uh, I think in that direct context was an unworthy was the unworthy manner in view, but there are other ways to be unworthy as you come to the table. Uh, if you come to the table in open rebellion against God, I, that's an unworthy manner. Like you, you, you've got these secret sins that you are not addressing, you're not checking, you're not, you're not, you're not repenting of. Yeah, uh, coming to the table would be an unworthy, in an unworthy manner. And, and the thing that's interesting because in my conversation with this person, um, you know, I. I pointed out, of course, there's that immediate context that you bring out, yep. but there's also, I mean, one, you should be a Christian. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. and Because it's interesting what it means to take the Lord's Supper in, in, a, in a worthy manner. It doesn't mean that we somehow have perfected ourselves and we are now worthy right. to come into God's presence. We, the only way we're worthy to ever be in God's presence is on the merits of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, he did and the work. So he, he died ma- on the cross Yeah, he us. makes us worthy. Yeah. And, uh, and so... For sinners, you know, for, for brothers and sisters that come to the Lord's table on any given Sunday, if they are truly looking to Christ and 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 though they may have stumbled and fallen and sinned that week, if they've confessed their sin and they're looking to Christ as their only hope, you know, that table is open to them. That's right. It's not for people who have it all together. <laughs> That's right. I mean yeah. you can you can always you always have sin in your life. Yeah. You know. Um, but I think there's a difference between walking in rebellion mm. and struggling with sin. You yeah, know, you know. So we, we struggle with sin. We confess it. We, it, it, you know, and it's the gospel at the, uh, you know, the this whole thing yeah. that we do, the Lord's Supper, is about the gospel. You know, it's about the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Amen. You know, so so we we come in a worthy manner. We come by faith. We come looking to Jesus. We come looking away from ourselves. Uh, we 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 don't come with insincerity. Yeah, absolutely. Good, Good word, Pastor Mike. Yeah, thanks for that question. As always, if you have any questions, you can go online to faithsf.com slash soundandfaith, faithsf.com slash faith. There you can find old episodes. You can find links to getting our merch. We've got really good merch. We have good merch. We don't have the beanies available yet. Somebody asked me about that. Uh, I've got one. You've, I, I know. I got a special deal on those, but I'm trying to figure out how to make them available to all yeah. people out there. Make great Christmas gifts. Yeah, yeah well, your, your your family will just love you if you get them those for Christmas. Anyway, I've got my Christmas mug here. Oh, nice. Did you see this? It's Santa. Oh, and it says you're all naughty. Romans, Romans 3, 3, 10, 10 through 12. 12. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> anyway, yeah. well, thanks again for listening to the Sound of Faith podcast. I'm Pastor Thomas. And I'm Pastor Mike Johnson. And Lord willing, we will see you Sunday. Mm-hmm.